Yeah, no, someone had told me that too, and I was like, wait, he did not direct Predator 1. Like, I I would have known that. <laughs> yeah, no, he just played Hawkins. I don't know how big of a character Hawkins is, but he seems fairly... But you sick. don't know Hawkins, man? All the all the Predator characters are very distinguished. Are very distinct. There's there's Arnold, and there's there's Carl Weathers, and there's the other ones. Yeah, the other, the, you know, Hawkins, for example. Of course, who could forget? Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! Up you wake, up you wake, up you wake, up you wake! This is Mike and James talking during the movies, bringing the nasty to your ears, your ears to the nasty... I'm done. Um, <laughs> hi everyone, welcome to Talking During the Movies, where we're two, two less than savory gentlemen talk about new movies and movie news. I am Mike. And I'm James. And this is episode number 98 uh, which we are dubbing Mike and James gotta have it and boy do we uh, yeah and, and you know what it's it, it's the first time we've done like a I want to say it's the first time we've done like a morning recording since yeah um, since good morning Mike and James an episode which you will not find in our archives because it managed to disappear after we <laughs> woke up at 7 a.m. oh shit that was our like really important that was our that was our end of the year like our, our top 10 it was two years ago though 2016 like top 10 and uh, frankly though it was like by the time you broke the news to me i was like so tired i i wasn't even like i didn't care i'm like okay whatever i'll deal with this when i have faculties energy and consciousness again and yeah so it, it it did help soften the blow a little bit but yeah just continuing the tradition that when we record in the morning we will let everyone know about it even though it literally makes no difference to them. Yeah, they're like, oh, uh, oh, could, you're couldn't have lived without it. Yeah, I don't know how I'll go on. Uh, we're very popular and, and uh, beloved. In yes, the podcast sphere. We're super cool and and ripped and <laughs> ripped and sweet. Yeah, um, everyone's really stoked on us. Mm-hmm. Everyone was impressed. We're uh, we're funny. Get, get over it. Oh God, I'm. <laughs> I hate you. I know, I do too. Um, um, so we are reviewing today a combination of Black Klansman by Spike Lee and The Spy Who Dumped Me, probably by Kate McKinnon. Although I, I can't tell. Gun to my head, I can't tell. <laughs> I mean, come on, she was. I think Kate McKinnon just goes on on like a movie set now, and it's just, it's just like, oh yeah, so Miss McKinnon, here are your lines. She's just like, I I got this, and it's just <laughs> like, they just put all of her ad libs in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's happened several times now. We'll, we'll, we'll get there for sure we'll, we'll. about the spy who dumped me. Um, mm-hmm. a movie, we didn't really plan on reviewing this, but we, you know, the plan was for Black Klansman, and then Mike's like, I also saw the spy dump me. If you want to review that, and then I was like. Yeah, I could see the spy dummy, and then I saw the spy dummy, and now we're reviewing it. It's a cool story, bro. I know. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but I love having sour gummy worms with, like, crab and lobster. You know? These two dishes go together so well. Well, to me, I prefer sour gummy worms because I can't have those those fish that you mentioned. Oh, so, no. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't eat candy either, so this puts me. In so an this situation. this metaphor is not made for you. This is this is uh, you know. My my point being, <laughs> these go together like, like two things that don't go together. Right. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, why do I need to do wordy things? This is this is fine. Metaphors. Who needs Metaf- them? Metaphors. <laughs> Uh, nothing but meta fives for me. God, I knew that was fucking coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like fucking JD. Mm-hmm. A tumor is starting to look like a threemer. Oh, God! <laughs> um, You know, and we talked in the pre-show about what we we're going to talk about besides these movies, and we didn't really land on anything good um, no, or anything th- really concrete. No, there was. we were going to talk about movies that everyone else is excited for that we're not. And then um, we were going to talk about vice versa. Like, uh, Well, we definitely landed on some vice versa. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I'll be on the record. I think Bumblebee might be okay. That is that is actually more absurd than my saying that I think Venom might be okay. That is absolutely 110% more absurd, yes. Yeah. No, it is not gonna just... be, it's not going to be another Fury Road, James. Which is why I think we should review Pitch Perfect 4 instead of... <laughs> uh, whatever the sequel to Fury Road is, if it ever comes out. Yeah. No, I, I would not give up anything, actually, to... Because I have a, like, long love-hate love, love hate relationship with Venom. Um, don't tell Kelsey. But um, he... I, I have both like really dug him as a as a character and also realized how absolute shit everything about his conception and execution have been thank you spider-man 3 not just spider-man 3 though the comics too and and the particular like the uh trend in comics that was you know heralded in by like actually good comics like by Alan Moore and and you know Frank Miller and all that and how they basically at, you know gave birth to this really gross like edge lord movement in <laughs> comics venom is completely an outgrowth of that and while they have since done really good, really interesting cool things with venom in the comics um he doesn't start from a good place and i think just as much as has translated over to to uh, his representation in other media, and frankly, with that lens, Tober Grace isn't as bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, one, Tom Hardy is going to be good in anything he's in, of even even in even in the trash movies. Of course, I'm not. I, I will. I do think that Tom Hardy will 100% give it his all and and be good with the material provided. I yeah, and have no doubt about that. And it might not be good. A lot of people are drawing comparisons to the movie that just came out directed by Lee Winnell called um, Upgrade, which is seems <laughs> seems apt. You know, the movie itself yeah. is pretty good and um, and it did and it sorry. The movie itself was pretty good and it used kind of a same concept of, you know, a body being taken over by a secondary entity that gives it that gives the person powers it might not want, I'll say. Um, and I, I also think, though, it's cool to see a Venom movie with something I haven't seen, or at least a Venom character anyway, not in, not directly in reference to Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Because 
I feel like they tried to they try I mean Spider-Man 3 at least tried so hard to make Venom like the dark just the dark side of Spider-Man you know kind of the other side of the coin type of thing and I don't think that played at all (laughs) well no especially because Spider-Man is already like such a conflicted character in and of himself like you have the conflict between the ego and the alter ego and then in that same movie you have the the effect of the symbiote on peter parker and the you know the black suit and all that and then you have venom like like venom is specifically not coded in the comics as being spider-man's inverse because spider-man's inverse is spider-man like another form of (laughs) spider-man so you don't need to have that mirror again it just it was a little redundant like venom's a very different eddie brock is a very different person from peter parker and that actually did have weight in the con like that actually meant something things mean things <laughs> and and yeah that's why i'm that's why i'm so excited for for this one not i'm not like so excited but i'm interested in it because i'm like now i get to see venom defined on his as, own terms yeah on his own terms exactly yeah you know he's not like a he's not something to spider-man true because Spider-Man um, doesn't exist in this movie it, it's that we it know is, of that is no andrew garfield swinging in at the end or something i don't know it's a very surreal point in the uh in the it's a very surreal point to be a spider-man fan because you have you have the the marvel series you have spider-man enter the spider-verse right Oh yeah, and you have that, and then you have Venom, which is, um, yeah, which is apparently the first installment of Sony's own iteration of the Marvel universe with the characters that it still actually has the rights. <laughs> yeah, I mean they didn't they didn't sell Spider Man. They're like it's on loan. Spider Man's like on loan to. MCU. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's just weird. You have, like, three Spider-Man properties going on at the same time, and I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know if they will ever incorporate... They might just have Venom in here, like, to face off with another character who is... happens to fall under Sony's purview. I don't I don't know. Who is um, somehow Venom's opposite. Yes, of course. They'll probably have... Well, I wonder if they'll have Carnage... Do you know do you do you know who Carnage is? Um kind of I mean he's like a another like symbiote character, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um it's just like hey, yeah, Venom's so last year he's not badass and cool enough. You know it'd be cool we have the symbiote go and attach itself to a serial killer. Oh yeah, that's right. And so Carnage is just like edge like venom with the edge lord dialed up to 11 <laughs> my guess is they'll probably do some bullshit with him if they can't especially if they can't have spider-man because the thing whenever carnage was in the picture venom would always team up with spider-man so it would always be like this you know team up with your enemy to stop a greater common enemy enemy my enemy is my friend yeah yeah you know really if you think about it spider-man's very deep <laughs> it's a smart movie I once saw a movie called Liar Liar, and the moral was don't lie. And that was a smart movie. That's a smart movie. <laughs> so you watched Forty Year Old Version recently, huh? No, I just that's one of my favorite lines of all time. I'll never forget. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I, no, I, it really I, is. Like, it's I don't know why. It's just see, it, anytime you quote a movie, I'm almost certain that you've seen it recently because you're terrible at movie quotes. <laughs> I know, but I do latch on to some of them. 
Oh, oh, okay. I did remember my favorite one. And it's, it's actually, it might be my new favorite or second favorite from uh, from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, from the same character that, uh, who has the quote we always mention. I'm Did, Korg. This is Meek. It, it is Meek. Uh, Mike, yes, but the quote in particular is, piss off, ghost. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking gone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I think I think lost in this James Gunn controversy is that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> I almost spat my coffee at your freaking... It was, it was my own microphone, so <laughs> I pushed my own property because I uh, hate you. Um, but you see, uh, I'm just... it's just, That's just an external expression of my inner angst uh, at disagreeing with you on a movie. That's my character. I didn't, I didn't bring that up in, in our discussion of this James Gunn topic because it wasn't relevant that said yes James we all know that you're the one person on earth who didn't enjoy fucking Guardians <laughs> the, of the Galaxy the 2 alright person I prefer, I feel like the one person yeah you should it's a really good movie Mike we've had this talk yes we have <laughs> and it never ends uh. but yeah um uh you just wanted Lindsay. to tell me all your characters problems and i just wanted a movie <laughs> well um Lindsay, our podcast is quickly becoming entirely about her ellis um and again i'm cool with that uh, she just did a q a where, where someone asked her about um because you know she's been very very vocally uh in support of james gunn on oh, yeah. twitter and um, to the part where she literally, I think, changed her name on Twitter. Oh, on Twitter, yeah. To, to Lindsay, hashtag rehire James Gunn, Ellis. Um, and, you know, they asked her if she would boycott the third one. And, and she was, like, very clear, like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that because it's just, like, it, to a certain degree, like, studies have shown that boycotts of stuff like this don't work. What works is, like, the constant backlash, like, making us think about it, being vocal, and, like, not backing down being like yeah we want james gunn back this is not cool what disney did um so yeah it's interesting i don't uh i'm i'm not even entirely convinced right now that the film won't fall apart during production yeah no i mean you have a cast very much in support of james gunn and i i don't i'm not saying they won't work they'll work i'm I would sure hate to be the i would hate to be the next director right i'm like how hire. are you you going to have any like okay say what you want about the second one but one thing i think it, it had even more so than the original you really got a sense of camaraderie from these actors i, I at least i did it, they felt like a family in a way that i don't think was entirely art like entirely acting it felt they felt familiar to one another and you know i think that that kind of real life chemistry is integral to making a good guardians movie. And part of that is a fellowship with the filmmaker. And I don't think any, I don't care who they bring in. I don't think it's gonna, at the very least, it's going to be something very seminal, not there. And it'll be visible on screen um, or perceptible on screen. Um, At worst, it would just, it might just fall apart. I don't know, but it's just royally fucking up like probably their most one of their most acclaimed series within this this 
the whole super universe thing they got going. The superverse, Mike? Superverse. It's called the Ultra Mega Metaverse. Megaverse. It's, it's getting meta. It's pretty meta. It's, it's going to get really meta when Captain Marvel comes along and then, like, Deadpool shows up for no reason. And he's just like, oh, I'm switching franchise. Like, I, Well, like, the mergers happened, buddy, so it's like... That's true. Um, <laughs> although, apparently, Deadpool 2 didn't do so hot, so they might not make any more Deadpools. I don't know. Did Deadpool 2 not do hot? I thought... Well, that's what I heard. Um, I, I don't well. actually... Did well? I Superman. thought it did well. I mean, it performed well. Oh. It did well critically. It did. No, it did well at box office, too. What the fuck? It did great. Mike erroneously reporting nonsense. As per usual. Yeah, that's true. Uh, wow, I'm sorry. Yeah, that made it made back its budget, like, almost seven times over. So, mm-hmm. yeah, fuck that. It did really well. It's the fifth highest grossing movie of the year, Mike. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. I You're right. That was bad of me. I apologize. My, my journalism degree is burning as we speak. <laughs> good, good. Alrighty, well, um, it's probably time we move on to the spy who dumped me. Sure, yeah. Um, oh, I thought that. It, it, not gonna lie, the only reason I saw this, we saw this movie, I saw it with Kelsey, and the only reason she wanted to see it is because Jamie from Outlander was in it. Jamie from Outlander. Yeah, it's a show on Stars that we watched. It's a good show, um, and he's like super super hot and ripped and, and sweet which one was he was he the the good guy for the main character or the bad guy for the main character if you if you sense if you sense my critique mm-hmm. of this already mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're he was not, not wrong he was not the spy who dumped me ah i thought he was going to be the spy who dumped me um so uh, Okay, so basically this is just a movie where Mila Kunis and, and uh, uh, Kate McKinnon piss around Europe for two hours and spy shit happens and people die. Lots lots of people die really, really brutally. Um, and they have to get a thing to a thing. I don't really know why and neither do they. And they get the thing to the thing and then everyone's bad and then one person's not bad and then they win. That was amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah. That was, that was your most precise and succinct plot synopsis to date, I believe. I, I've just learned that incoherence is my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they have to get a thing to a thing. And th- did that plan ever like, no, was, did it ever become clear? exactly why because okay. at first it's like so, okay you got to get it to you got to get it to Vern. yes to Vern, and Vern is oh, this woman that who, they meet for two seconds who dies um, who dies very quickly so i don't know who that was like apparently they were important mm-hmm. yeah I um l- like and so they like oh shit well Vern's dead and then like that, this guy who wants the thing, who's been really, really menacing, he's probably the bad guy. But then it turns out he's not the bad guy. Um, I don't know why he was being so fucking menacing. But then there's like the who the fuck wrote this movie? I don't... Uh, Kate McKinnon, I think. You know? Oh my god! Well, like, okay, Kate McKinnon clearly just wrote her dialogue. Like, that's she's. I think she has carte blanche at this point to just like say whatever she wants in movies. 
and then everyone else has to has to like react to it. Yeah. Hey, and I will say, like, if 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 a lot of that was was improv, they did work off probably better than they did than the than the quad quadruple of Ghostbusters. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it works. With have, it, it works when you have. It works a little better when you have Kate McKinnon being the one wild card, and then like Mila Kunis is probably scripted for the most part. Well, yeah, so. it's like a straight man, funny man. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. It's a very, it's an easily manageable routine when you, yeah. when you just have like four funny people all yeah. all competing to be the funniest without a script. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't hate them as a duo, but I also okay coming out with it. This is the most tonally dissonant movie I think I've ever seen. Probably. Yeah, I mean, they're being like one of the funniest lines I remember is um, when, you know, they're telling they're telling truths about each other to show that they don't lie. And Kate McKinnon's like, like she can't she can't come when she has sex because she she's on antidepressants. And then Mila Kunis fires back. She's like, no, I can't. It just takes a really long just time. Just takes a long time. Yeah. Was, know, but I'm like, and what's happening there? in that scene like they're being tortured they are being actually tortured there is another scene where they, they are with a similar tone a similar back and forth but the the lingering threat is that kate mckinnon i mean it, it's basically implied she's about to be sexually assaulted like in at a at the dinner scene with her father's friend who's not really oh yeah i'm like what this is really uncomfortable and she even like alludes to it like oh okay that's what this is and i'm like this isn't oh i don't want to i don't like this this is just i i'm not saying that that a film that's clearly a comedy and yet and and to some degree meant to be maybe a spoof of, of spy conventions needs to have no weight to the genre elements of its story but Oh my God! This is I a this is a much bloodier movie and more violent movie than Mission Impossible, which is just not a thing that should be true, <laughs> but it is. And then also, it take it is it has a much more complicated plot than Mission Impossible as well. Like it is, it is nigh impossible to follow, and I f- which wouldn't be a problem if I felt like the intent was to obfuscate and be as convoluted and confusing as possible as kind of a parody of spy tropes but it's kind of like donnie darko i feel like i'm supposed to follow this i feel like i'm i would be rewarded for for understanding (laughs) and following all the twists and turns because they seem to be framed as payoffs like when a character turns it's supposed to mean something and I, i frankly had such a poor understanding of really who everyone was in relationship to everyone else even like Sebastian, one of the main characters in the movie, I didn't really all like. Okay, by the end, sorry, spoiler. He's like clearly a good guy, but yeah. why then is he acting the way he acts for so much of the movie in such a clearly menacing? I know, way? I know. And did 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 MI six give him like carte blanche to kill anybody and everybody? Right? <laughs> Yeah, like he's doing an awful lot of murdering, you know. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. Well, I also feel like we swept the "there's a mole in MI6" under the rug pretty quick. Um, oh yeah, well, I mean, they they smashed his hurt. face into the rug. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. Um, so that just happened. Just kind of like, I don't know. Th- this should not be more convoluted than Mission Impossible. Like Mission Impossible Six is actually like, I, I, frankly, I think this movie made me like Mission Impossible Six a little bit more than I already than than I did before because that is all at the end of the day a pretty straightforward plot made to string together a bunch of really stellar action set pieces. Yeah. Um, this is a really labyrinthine and confusing plot made to string together a bunch of ad-libbed comic bits with Kate McKinnon and Mila Kunis. Um, and at the end of the day, I just really have to ask if it was worth it. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I actually, I mean, I, I almost think they wanted to make a, a really gritty, tough spy movie, and they were just like forced to put Bela Kunis and Kate McKinnon in it as the leads and make well, it a comedy. I, honestly, that's the only thing that made this movie watchable. So, <laughs> yeah, because the the spy bits, it's like I don't, I don't know. It, you know, how you kind of kind of get a sense of like where a movie's heart is. Yeah, that's. It seemed like its heart was in the spy and the action bits like it really wanted to be this like gritty and those parts were actually pretty well directed um you know it it seemed like that was where the attention and the framing and all of the you know the the really intensive filmmaking was going and then everything around it it kind of seemed cursory but that was also like the main focus of the movie (laughs) was the you know the comic back the comedic back and forth and it just seemed like even the filmmakers didn't care about that my big feeling on this movie is that it's just a big missed opportunity i mean this is a this is and and i said this when i saw the trailer right that you know this is a comedy in post immediately post me too starring two of you know hollywood's most bankable female stars and yeah and And you, you you have a lot of they have a lot of room to have really like biting satire or comedy in there if they bother to write any of it um and and be the comedy that they do have in here and not just the comedy but the structure itself is very very dubious in a post to post me too oh my god like when you brought up the you know this implied sexual sexual assault assault, which i mean it's not like it's not what happens but it's like like that's clearly the Th- that's clearly what they're making you feel before. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like the, really it's a, it's evocative of like these Harvey Weinstein stories you read of him yeah. like giving massages and things like that. It's it's, yeah. it's like really creepy, but they don't like do anything with it. Right. And, and then there's of course the the one I criticized in the trailer about how you know women can't drive stick. Ha ha ha! It's funny because women can't drive. What? Yeah. Why are we why are we indulging in that <laughs> bit of comedy? It's still there. Like, and then, <laughs> take that out for some reason. Take that out. Nope. And then and then structurally and then structurally, mm-hmm. why am I watching a movie about which guy is right for the main female character in twenty fucking eighteen? Why? There's there's like kind of a disgusting amount of hashtag hashtag feminism in this not not feminism which i am all on board for it's the feminism where like kate mckinnon will say something uh, you know uh, give voice to a feminist idea and 
it kind of is framed as the filmmakers patting themselves on the back for being feminist and then not then incorporating those ideas at all intrinsically into its <laughs> into its story, right? Like there's no like, like you said, this is basically just an elaborate who's the right one you know type of movie who will the woman choose who will the woman choose and and like honestly the joke at okay so in my opinion the butt of basically every joke is Mila Kunis and 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 Kate McKinnon whereas like if you contrast it with something like uh spy to Paul Feig's spy starring Melissa McCarthy like the joke the butt of the joke is everyone who misjudges her like the idea is like she doesn't fit a typical idea of what a spy is. In fact, she's like regularly contrasted with a more stereotypical movie spy. And yet it turns out she is exactly the right person for this job. And she can succeed in a way using her own skills and virtues in a way that like the more traditional characters can't. Yeah. Well, and, and, and let's talk about the structure of that one too. Yes. The, the male character who she's pining for the entire time becomes the obstacle that she has to overcome. Right. She has to realize yeah. that she can succeed and should succeed without the male's approval. Yeah. And and in a way that never like it it is a funny movie. It's a streamline it's got a streamlined story and it communicates all of that damn near flawlessly. Why did like th- there's no excuse for this movie the spy who dumps me <laughs> coming out <laughs> now. I know it's almost like Spy was ahead of its time. And Spy it's Spy dumped me. Is yeah, you must be in some sort of vortex. I think it's, we clearly are. Um, Omarosa is coming out with a book, James. This is not a <laughs> normal universe. Um, uh, uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie, there's no reason it should exist. I honestly feel, I feel kind of swindled. Um, the uh, the Cirque du Soleil. Uh, final battle on the trapeze was pretty cool though i mean yeah but i'm also like what the fuck Uh, yeah no it's totally what the fuck but it's also like well sure like this movie hasn't taken itself i feel like it it's simultaneously taking itself too seriously and not seriously enough the entire time (laughs) like sure why not just go nuts I'd rather them do something like this. And honestly, that was the highlight of the finale for me. But then, of course, you're, you're cutting between that and a big, like, confrontation of the two boyfriends. Uh-oh, who's... Uh-oh, they got guns, and is the... Who do you shoot? Who's the right guy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it's uh, very strange. I, I, the Edward Snowden bit was funny. That was really, that was really I funny. Liked it, it paid off well. It, was a, it felt like a one-off improv joke. In yeah. the be- at the beginning and then yeah. so i was really surprised that it paid off then it came back yeah yeah um i also liked the freeman parents K- uh carol and arnie the the Kate oh, McKinnon. Yeah. <laughs> they were good um they were they, they were funny they were in like two scenes i really enjoyed them um just yeah um i and i'm mad because this was not a movie pass movie for me i had to pay for this i paid oh no this was I movie passed this one, or I, I, I paid movie cash passed money. it, or I regal points it, one or the other. Yeah, I paid cash money for this. Although I did get a regal points uh, birthday popcorn uh, nice. with, so that was all right. Um, cool. it's the first time I, yeah. So happy birthday! Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't call me. I, I tweeted at you. <laughs> you did. And I've been drinking whiskey ever since. Um, yeah, of course. 
but yeah, uh, don't 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 go see this. Don't go see this. Who It's a bad movie. And 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 you know what? I, I was sad that it wasn't doing well before I saw it, just because it seemed, uh, you know, it seemed like something that might be, like you said, you know, it might be good for a, uh, you know, a shakeup. Could might be something that could, uh, you, you know, offer people something that they don't normally get in summer movies. No, no, it doesn't do that. Um, it doesn't. I'm 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 fine with this bombing. It's yeah, no, it was a just a just a missed opportunity. Yeah, that was that was kind of funny at, at times. Yes, yeah, no, I mean it was not a bust. I I laughed more dur- than I did like during Ghostbusters, but oh, yeah, no, and actually, you know, I think when I said you know kind of funny at times, it's kind of like underselling it. I mean, I I, I, was, I, I chuckled, you know, pretty consistently throughout the movie. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's got it, it's, a lot of the jokes land. Um, but just assessing the movie as a whole, I, I cannot, <laughs> cannot recommend it. I cannot in good conscience recommend it. I can't even really make heads or tails of what it wants to be. Um, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's so strange. I, 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 this is a very surreal movie going experience for me. Um, so yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, onto more things we're, we're not really qualified to talk about. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Spike Lee movie. Oh no. <laughs> um, the, whatever. I'm talking to the movie the show where two white guys talk about uh, gender and race politics. This is where I uh, dust off my uh, I'm half Israeli card. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, do you know? All I got is that I'm poor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got free lunch and bread delivered to my house by do-gooders. You know, and by house I mean three three bedroom apartment in a shit neighborhood that costs around 600 a month so you get the idea um james have you ever felt like you're the academy and 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 uh floor and the florida project is your florence foster jenkins no (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just no (laughs) yeah well you see it's all about perspective james and that that really is uh one of the ideas at the uh the heart of of Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Black um, Klansman. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is. Oh. This, hmm. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. This is. This is. <laughs> I got it. I finally got it. <laughs> we got him. We got him. There's um. This movie is based on some for real shit. Some for real, for real shit. Yeah. Um, I, I had you ever heard of this uh, this actual story before? No, I had not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's uh, a hold on. I'm gonna pull it up. So I got it. Got the names Ron Stallworth, who uh, joins the uh, Colorado Springs Police Department, um, and attempts to get out of the files work in the files room um by getting into um you know getting into some field work and cover stuff undercover stuff he gets he gets uh, transferred to information where his job is information and uh he on an impulse dials a number for the ku klux klan that he sees advertised in a paper and basically begins infiltrating the clan um yep. as a black man 
and uh, enlists the help of Adam Driver, um, Flip Zimmerman, who who, who is to, nothing but not to me. Who <laughs> who uh, who acts as his uh, it, it, together? It, who acts as his real life counterpart um, for in in person meetings with clan members, and uh, throughout the film they attempt to unravel a plot to um bomb a uh a uh, black student union gathering and uh yeah antics ensue it's it's totally by coincidence uh that this movie was released a year after charlottesville oh yeah totally (laughs) totally Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like okay um spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast it, it was it got to that scene at the well when they were showing footage at the end of the movie yeah and where i was just like oh yeah that was like a year ago today <laughs> i mean yeah we had just i think last week we had just we've just passed the week end that was the like anniversary so i was like thinking about it all last weekend um and also did get quite a quite a uh quite a bit of satisfaction from the fact that um this year's unite the right rally in dc um i believe brought out a grand total of like 24 people wait really something like that it was like two dozen or something and 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 they were so overwhelmed by antifa protesters that they had like the leaders had to like be shuffled like shuttled away very quietly um made me very happy to hear that's awesome yeah um seems to me that the last winning i i fucking hope so man Uh, this is gonna be political i don't give i don't care hi guys (laughs) talking politics to the movie i don't i i do not care yeah i'm gonna make how could it not be this well the movie the movie is very political and is not quiet about it um nor should it be uh, but when Spike Lee himself has never really been quiet. No, about that's, that's not why I go to his movies. Yeah. Uh, I get, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, okay. I will say this. I think Spike Lee is a filmmaker who gets like better in proportion to how pissed he is about something. <laughs> I think that's right. That's, that's true. Yep. Um, you know, do the right thing came out at a time where, you know, black people in bed in New York or really, I mean, anywhere in the country, but, uh, you know, like, or in California, or, you know, Los Angeles and all this race relations were so fraught and like he had every right to be pissed, every right to be. Yeah. Things are really heating up <laughs> and boiling over. God damn it. Extra cheese is $2. It's going to be a scorcher today. No, um, and do the right thing. I will always say is is, is in my top ten uh, of all time. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know where, but it's somewhere in the top ten. Well, at that point, like I, I don't know. I don't have a like a favorite movie that stands head and shoulders above all the others. So oh, yeah, me either. You could like, like, but it's in handful. my it's it's in my all time pantheon, like my top top tier of of, of movies. Um, it, it's because Spike Lee can be both a an incredible stylist as a filmmaker. Like he is 
like he will have his characters get up and talk right to the camera. He his his camera will shift from a first person perspective to a third person perspective. Um, he'll use double exposure. He'll use all this stuff. He's super innovative. But at the same time, all of his film, all of his best films, at least, embrace some degree of uncertainty because these questions don't have easy answers. Um, Do the right thing ends with contradictory quotes from MLK and Malcolm X about violence and and its role or lack thereof in real positive uh change for for race relations in the country both of they, which directly comment on you know mookie's actions at the end yes. of the movie of th- yeah. throwing the can through the yeah through the window yeah and i think the at the end of the day the the point i mean my interpretation this is by <laughs> again we're 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 too grossly underqualified yeah yeah yeah. this This is not intended to be the 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 period of the conversation this is my takeaway um the whole point is that doing the right thing is by no means straightforward or even knowable like do the right thing is such a simple title it's like yeah do the right thing that's 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 the advice that um demare gives to mookie in the movie and at the end of the day the right thing is not clear cut at all. Yeah, and, and it means different things to different people. To different right? people, exactly. Um, I think, I think Spike, it was, uh, you know, was Spike Lee has said that the only people who ask him if Mookie did the right thing are white people. White, <laughs> right, of course. Um, but Spike Lee is really good at embracing that inherent contradiction. That, you know, wrestling with the the impulse towards violent non-violence and getting along and the fact that so many of these things are intrinsic so much of this racism is just internalized in the system that uh, there's to a degree playing along with it seems ineffective and i feel like that an iteration of that conflict is also at the heart of black Klansmen. um and you actually have this dialogue you, you have this conversation being carried out literally by by two of the characters uh ron and uh patrice his, his the president of the uh black student union and uh his romantic interest though well, yeah, i feel and, like and, I mean, early, and even earlier than that too when you know his first assignment is to kind of stake s- surveil the crowd of a civil rights leader's speech you know yeah make sure they're not yep make sure they're not getting too rowdy well, yeah, and and even in he's he it seems like he's kind of approaching it uncomfortably. Like he's on one hand, you could tell he's he's like kind of getting into it, right? You know, he's he's hearing what he has to say, and then when Kwame Ture, you know, when he talks about violence, especially, it kind of makes him uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, at least that was my take on it. Maybe it's just because I'm white as fuck, but it's, well, it's, it seemed like it seemed like Ron Stallworth was kind of hmm about the whole violent violent thing, you know, arm yourself type, you know. Yeah. Well, I agree, but also, I what I like about that scene though is is how his face, Ron's face, um, and this is really like to credit the actor John David Washington, is so like you can read a lot into it, but he's also not doing anything super expressive or overt it's yeah true it's it's ambiguous and you can kind of i don't know i got weird like contradictory 
interpret I had like weird contradictory interpretations of it where on the one hand I was like clearly he's being drawn in by this because he understands yeah. he understands the inherent racism in 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 the system. He understands that the that the police target black people. That mm-hmm. that you know he he knows and even that as the system a cop, is fucked. he understands that. And a, as a cop he understands that. But I think also philosophically his idea is well I can make I can help take a step in the right direction by becoming part of you know by by infiltrating the system and pushing it towards a you know a more you know socially conscious direction and improve it in that way whereas clearly the room he is in does not believe in that 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 would be effective it's just a system taking in another one of people another person who should be aligned with them um well, and, I, think and that, I think that I think that plays yeah. into what you were what you were going into with the conversation with Patrice, where he's like, you know, can't we change it from the inside? And she's like, no, you can't. Yeah, yeah. And she's, I mean, she is overt and and hardline, and she doesn't change that opinion throughout the film. She does not believe that that is a viable solution. And I mean, I think Spike Lee does a really good job at wrestling with the uncertainty of that question as well. I don't think he ends this movie on a uh, definitive answer to that. And I, I, I just feel compelled to make that point because the person I saw it with, she interpreted it a little differently where she thought that this movie was very much, um, did very much come down on the side of, yeah, you know, it's on Ron's side and that it thinks that's a viable way to bring about positive change. I don't think so. I don't wait, think- wait, wait. The person you saw this with thought that, it, that the movie ended on you can affect positive change from the inside? <laughs> well, I, I think I convinced her otherwise, but yeah, that, that was her initial Because uh, I do think takeaway. it might be a little ambiguous, but I firmly think, you think that, that, that it's the opposite. Is the, yeah, it makes the opposite point. But that is the overarching theme. It's like, can you change the system from the inside can you infiltrate the clan to beat it can you infiltrate the police to change their practices you know is that is that a viable option and i think no is the answer Mm. (laughs) but as i said i will say it's it's it wrestles with the question and it may be ambiguous you know you sort of take the good with the bad maybe Mm um but especially with how the movie ends you know, I mean, I feel like I feel like, oh, well, yeah, the ending is well, and, and even bef- even before the ending of the even before the actual like footage, savage, you know, when, when savage. it kind of like breaks the fourth wall. Right. Yes. Um, even before that, it's it's still pretty bleak and maybe a little pessimistic. Right. Mm-hmm. No, a- absolutely. And uh, by the way, you kind of we kind of got what you wanted out of uh, Get Out. Yeah. <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm gonna say that every every good you know I said it about uh, sorry to bother you but yeah 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 but this you know pretty overtly um, you know showing that Ron can be a cop but he'll never really be police like they'll never really see him as one of them unless he's got a white guy to vouch for him um, like it did a great job of 
illustrating that. But at the same time, because I know what you mean. It's like, okay, they, you know, they, they stopped this one terrible incident from happening. And yet the clan and the hatred it represents lives on and manifests more strongly than ever in today's climate. Um, so clearly it's not successful, but also I feel like, you know, fundamentally this movie is in sympathy with Ron in a way where it's not just like, Oh, well he's got good intentions, but he's mistaken. Um, it doesn't seem like it dismisses him that easily, even though the, you know, the tangible effects of his activities are definitely questionable. Like, yeah, it, you know, but you know, he does get to a degree a happy ending. The no, not really, but like, <laughs> well, you know, like he gets a racist cop out of the force in a scene that kind of seemed like a little bit like a dream sequence almost. Like that was a little surreal. Wait, the uh, the the one toward the end where they, uh, I think it's the penultimate scene where they, uh, basically get uh, one of the racist cop on the oh right <laughs> on the record. yeah. I'm just like. Oh, okay. It, it Everyone seems it seemed a little neat. I will say, I, I'm I'm way too much to find so. Out, like if that if that was had any basis in reality, because yeah, that's what I wanted to know that too. Because it seemed like it went from an entire film where the the whole force was not no one was willing to stick out their neck um, and rat on him for the sake of maintaining the solidarity of the force to. Apparently everyone is willing to team up like to to go against this guy. And don't get me wrong, I loved see I loved seeing the retribution. I loved seeing the justice, but well yeah, and in, in a way too they weren't necessarily like ratting. They were just giving himself enough rope to hang himself, to, to hang you know. Himself. Yeah, that's true. Giving um, the opportunity to rat on himself. <laughs> that's true, but it almost seemed like he came in and he's I mean, he was kind of a caricature the whole movie, but he comes in and he's just like, "Just so you know, I'm the racist and I hate you and i am gonna tell you that to your face and then everyone's just like well i heard you like that's all i need to hear and then they come in it just like you said it seemed a little bit too neat yeah yeah um actually that's a good segue into another thing i've been wrestling with after after i've seen this movie how do you feel about the depiction of the clan in, in 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 this movie i mean it's someone else said this not me um, but it's not it's not as though the observation was lost on me that there was I, sympathetic is the wrong word but because it well it's the wrong it's the right word with the wrong connotations sure sure <laughs> so no 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 I, I know what you're saying though. it does it's... the film does ask the question like who are you and how do you work you yeah know, it, it, it doesn't for the most part, doesn't rest on the well, they're evil and bad. Um, it, it sort of tries to show you their perspective. Not yeah. that it's right. They're not no, no, giving no. it. They're not saying like, oh, this is their side. This is their side. They're both equal. No, it is not. No, no. <laughs> doing that, but it is. You know, I mean, I think of the scene with the um, the wife of the main antagonist. Yep. Um, F- yeah. Felix's wife. Is it? Yes. You know, where she's just like, she, she's laying in bed talking about the attack, like, excited. She's you know, like, this she's is like, my, I finally have, a, like, a purpose. I have, like, something, something that I feel like I'm, I'm doing that, like, that, that I can be a, an important figure in. Like, exactly. it, like I have, a, it's given meaning to my life as, as 
horrendous and fucked up and evil as <laughs> the plan is. This is her like she's the hero of her own movie in her head. Like 100%. Yeah, and that's that's what the movie tries to understand, which <laughs> I think is something that other directors wouldn't bother with. And yeah. You'd probably be perfectly justified in not bothering with it, you know. Yeah, that's another like really weird fraught element of depicting this where there's not really a right answer where do you I mean I am all in favor of making Nazis and, and racists look buffoonish and and like you know and, and basically mocking them indiscriminately because they're hateful people and I don't feel the need to equivocate in addressing them but also at the same time do you do that at the expense of humanizing them and and attempting to um engage with the fact that real thinking sentient people latch onto this way of thinking as a viable way to live and see the world um or do you do you buy into that and and engage with them as people um like nuanced real people at the risk of overly humanizing or overly sympathizing with fascist evil ideology and I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that and i will say i don't think the movie handled it as gracefully as i it could have because I, it would have scenes like the one you're describing where you know someone will lay out their worldview and, and you'll at least be able to like kind of understand that they see the world in this way as evil as it is um and you get like okay well this is this is horrendous and and terrible but it's at least a like a human perspective um but then it'll have like the yokel like just the big i'm the dumb i'm the dumb redneck who yeah you know it's just here to be laughed at yeah um so i can't tell if like because clearly Spike well, Lee understands Lee's- the importance of 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 nuance and character, but also he will like do that. Well, and yeah, he'll take he'll take his shots. He'll have fun. I, yeah, I, that, I don't, that, I don't hold that against him personally. I'm and, not. You know, I'm, he's, I'm just saying I'm grappling with it. I, I'm not sure if it's if it's the right way to do it, where you're like having your laughs and also like engaging with it at the same time, or if it's in if it's like too hedging you know if it's too too much of a shift to go between one and the other like or if i'm just being a little bit too simple simplistic by saying it's got to be one or the other i don't know i i'm i'm grappling with it is all i'm not 100 percent sold on the depiction um is all i'm saying well i mean that's fair i mean at the same time i feel like the this type of this type of uh, dichotomy, I suppose, was present in was present in "Do the Right Thing," right? Yes. You know, you, yeah. With the the two Italian brothers, right? Mm-hmm. They're almost like a Mo and Larry character. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You know, like Spike Lee has his fun with them, but also recognizes that, as you said, they are sentient people who you know think intelligent thoughts and come to these conclusions that most yeah. people don't I, I think i think what maybe made it work for me better and do the right thing is that those two kind of you know seemingly contradictory uh elements were at play in the same characters like like pino would be 
both like kind of a joke. And then at the same time though, he would, you would kind of get a sense of like, you know, his relationship with his brother and, and how kind of tragic it was. And, and you would engage with them as a person while at the same time, you know, you, you could see them kind of playing into caricatures. Um, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I guess so, that, you know, th- this is done over several characters, I guess in black Klansman, And that makes it, that it just, cheapens it a little. Yeah. It just seems like he was like, okay, well this is going to be our dumb fat one. And, um, you know, this is going to be the paranoid one. And this is going to be like, they seemed, they still, they, they seemed a bit more like caricatures than they should be. Um, and really I feel like he only attempted to engage with them deeply with the wife and with David Duke, um, played by Eddie Brock himself, <laughs> Eric Foreman himself, uh, Topher Grace, who I think did a <laughs> a great job with a very specific caveat, which is this is so weird and nitpicky, and I'm sorry. The recordings that they would play, like it, they would like play recordings of him over the radio when like oh the, yeah, uh, driving a car. Those seemed. Of of all the times where like David Duke was like making a speech about his ideology, those seemed the most phoned in and caricaturistic to me. Like it was just like, it's been shown we're the superior race. Like he's almost like kind of bored and like reciting it, it, it like ad nauseum, like in a know, it, it, To me, it seemed very appropriately didactic. Um, yeah. So I, those didn't bother me as much. And. You know what I, what I what I like most about Black Klansmen in general is that like like uh, like Zero Dark Thirty. I'm gonna bring up mm. Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it ca- it came out afterwards that some of the details contained within the movie were were erroneous, mm-hmm. and it sort of like changed the way you you can you looked at it because you know under it it belied its message, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because it sort of wanted to go about this how far are you willing to go and will it be worth it type of thing? Yeah. Um, and when it, when it, when it came out that how far they went was kind of not necessary mm-hmm. and it didn't, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't produce the fruits. The movie, uh, the movie said it did. It kind of changed it a little, you know, it's like, it's, it, it, it belied its message. As I said. Yeah. It, I, I like, agreed. I feel like with black Klansman, it could come out that Ron Stallworth was, a total fraud made mm-hmm. this entire thing up and I don't think I would look at the movie any worse because yeah. it still functions in like this could be a fiction and still be powerful and still True. grapple with the same very real questions yeah, and very absolutely. real themes. A- agreed completely. Um, I, it, it also, it made me realize how, it it, it, okay, it made me like Django Unchained a lot less too, which is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it made me like Django Unchained a lot less. It made me like Hateful Eight a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it made me still appreciate Hateful Eight because I yeah. really like the Hateful Eight. The, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> the th- the reason I even bring up Django uh, is because the setup of this movie seemed like it could have been in Tarantino's wheelhouse, where like. And even some of the execution, like it seemed, you know, kind of this like ultra stylized movie conscious, almost a throwback to black exploitation a little bit, Um, you know, story about infiltration and and trying to, you know, stop the clan. It it could, it's almost, you know, 
the setup is almost inglorious bastards with with <laughs> with the kkk instead of nazis right yeah, yeah. jews go into right Nazis. black people go in to kill clansmen yeah yeah right the difference though is that in tarantino's like you know racist revet like revenge against racism movies um retribution is always achieved through just blunt straightforward cartoonish movie violence and he doesn't see like there seems to be almost no acknowledgement or awareness of like systemic problems and injustices whereas black klansman is entirely about the system it's about the the conflict of a person trying to trying to enact positive change inside of a racist system by directing its energies towards an overtly racist organization and a lot about basically in a lot of ways him being trapped between a rock and a hard place like he about trying to find a vehicle for positive change in a world where that doesn't seem possible outside of just arming yourselves and preparing for a race war um and and it ends like tarantino would have ended this movie with an enormous shootout everyone dies except john david washington and and uh um uh uh love and patrice and sorry and they ride off into the sunset on a horse like it's <laughs> i really appreciated that it's such an irresolute ending like there's there's so much uncertainty and and terror and heaviness at the end of this movie um that that could like i'm sure people left dissatisfied because of it because it's just you know all this shit the hero goes through and it's it seems to come to such a minor victory in the grand scheme of things and the movie acknowledges that yeah like winning the battle but still losing but, the war but losing a pretty big war that's still ongoing i really appreciated it for that and it, and it just kind of highlighted why despite the fact that django seemed like you know really cathartic at the time why well, that's all it is that's all it is and why it's just like but the movie has so little to do with reality and that does matter that it like you know that obviously it's a movie black Klansman is a movie too it's stylized it's aware of movie history but the the point is not to make a realistic movie but to make a movie that has resonance with the world we live in that's the whole entire point like that's why we make art well i kind of i kind of felt the way and, and you know i was gonna i was gonna bring up the hateful eight anyway because i felt the very same way after after watching this one after watching Black Klansman as I did after watching The Hateful Eight, you know, it was kind of... Hateful Eight is this very, like, nihilist movie about how people are too trapped, too entrapped by our our petty, minuscule differences to it's actually nice. live in a non-violent society. Like, yes. It, it very... It, it, it's so... It's like an anti-Tarantino film because... I, kind of, yeah. It doesn't revel in its violence. It recognizes the horror of it, and it actually just it, the I, I only I watched it again recently, and the irony just struck me when they're reading the Lincoln letter at the end, um, and they and you know the it, written in it is 
a statement that oh you know this your your actions speak very highly of of your race uh, Samuel Jackson and I know we have a we have a long way to go but I know we'll get there in terms of equality the irony of course being that that letter is a fake it's a fake it's a lie like th- that's the thing that I didn't I, that didn't dawn on me the just the the absurdity of of that idea that or the very the very bleakness and at the end of all this that everyone dies because everyone killed each other mm-hmm. because they couldn't just get along yeah um they they say you know this will will eventually get there is a lie we won't get there that's yeah. the, sort of the point of the hateful but I, it's very I, nihilistic it is but i do also like the fact that while he believed it it didn't really matter whether it was a lie or not he was willing to put stock in that idea until he found out it was a lie yeah of course um so yeah it's yeah mm-hmm. there i feel like all like every movie addressing race relations is slow is just needs to become more nihilistic because it feels like we're living in a increasingly more dire situation where true reconciliation and and cooperation and coexistence is becoming harder and harder to fathom um yeah it kind of it, these kind of movies make me really question that 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 age-old journalistic idea is like if you point out a problem you should also point out a solution to it mm-hmm. yeah because um, it's like there's not always a clear-cut solution <laughs> yeah there's not always a solution and why does why do why do i have to be the one who provides it why does spike lee have to be the one who provides it you know it's like well, there's... also it, i mean an idea in and of itself could also be like hey mass awareness is in and of itself making progress toward a solution to the problem exactly yeah just being aware of this because like i'll admit ignorance as far as i'm concerned i was not as aware that there was this much this much palpable racism in the country until a couple like more recently than i would be comfortable admitting like yeah (laughs) like i was hugely uneducated and, and ignorant of it um i was wrong i've i've since learned better i'm still learning i'm trying to get you know i'm trying to make myself better um sometimes just more increased awareness and visibility can be making positive steps toward a solution so i don't think it's a like yeah no it is not spike lee's job to in fact i would think it i I think it would actually devalue his his work if he just came up and said well here's the solution here's how we can make make it right Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like not easy. Sometimes it's, just saying, hey, hey, shit's fucked up. Yes. Is an important message. Yeah. Um, now, I w- okay. One thing about that ending, and it's my only point of criticism with it. Um, so throughout the film, there was like kind of, I feel like it, so I feel like the ending kind of undercuts an element that I thought was genius uh, throughout the rest of the film, where they would incorporate a lot of phrases that we've been hearing in modern political discourse. Uh-huh. Not so subtly. Um, America first. America first. Um, and, and, you know, make our country great. to making our country great and all that. The reason I thought that was brilliant, though, um, was that I interpreted that not just as like a wink and a nod to Trump, 
mm-hmm. but as a way of saying, hey, th- th- these ideas, and in fact, these particular phrases have been in our our language. Like, they, the the yeah. They've been in the political lexicon for so much longer than Trump. This problem is so much bigger than him. Um, and it's true. These fra- America First dates back to uh, World War II non-interventionism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Making America Great was a Reagan slogan. And these have been dog whistles, racial dog whistles, for decades, for for a long time. And I thought that was kind of a nice way of communicating that. I feel like it's undercut a little bit. And, and this is also part of my own bias because I hate – Trump is such an egotist and I hate it when he is put in the center of these issues. Right. Um, even though as the president, it's kind of hard not to. He's the president. In a lot of ways, he is at the middle of a, of a lot of these issues. But I hated seeing his face put toward put to um, this type of racism manifesting today because while he is undoubtedly um, riling them up and making people feel com- – those types of people comfortable being more vocal and overt with their racism mm-hmm. – I just I don't like ascribing it specifically to him. Yeah, well, so I'm not saying that was what it was doing, but it had kind of that unintended. No, I mean I can completely agree. Like it wasn't trying to, but no, no, I, I agree that that's problematic, especially because I, I worry that it's almost like the opposite of what we had with Obama, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the you know after Obama we had that post-racial myth that everybody yeah. everybody said. You know that that well that Jordan Peele critiqued so well in, right. in, Get, out, in Get Out. You know yeah. when people said we Obama we elected Obama, racism is over. What and I think, what I worry is that as soon as we get rid of Trump, racism is racism over. is over. Yeah, like, like we the, beat the, it. We beat him. Yeah, and that's like the, that's the not what's going to happen. That's no. not no. Um, and I mean, hell, you can apply that to so many political issues too. Like where where Trump is the end all be all, and once we get rid of him, that's the thing. Whether yeah, you are sexism pro, is over, racism whether you are is pro, over. whether you are pro or anti Trump, he is at the center of the political discourse, and 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 the entire future of the country rests on either getting him out of the White House or keeping him in there, depending <laughs> on who you are. And that is just such a such an oversimplification. And such a great way to ignore other ways that political problems manifest in this country that it's going to be a long time before we can even begin properly addressing them. Because at this point, you have him soaking up all the attention. Um, and again, I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong because he is the fucking president. Like, how do you ignore it? You can't just ignore him. No, I mean, you're right. I, I mean, I can't think of a. It's I'm not point out a problem without a solution. <laughs> right. No, I understand. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you can't. There's no. There, there seems to be no easy, straightforward solution. Because I point this out, and then I'm just going to go back to being vocally anti-Trump again. Because how do you not be? Like, it's it's seemingly an, an insurmountable problem. But, uh, and and yeah. Black Klansman's got a sobering ending. I do think there's a lot of hope in it. You know, no, not the ending, but in the film as a whole. Like, I, I think there are positive things. It, it, I, I do think it does demonstrate how some positive progressive steps can be made. But it also is very aware of how futile it can seem at times. Um, 
and it doesn't give an easy takeaway, but I think that's Spike Lee at his best, um, where he acknowledges how, how fraught a situation is, um, engages with it from myriad perspectives and makes some semblance of reconciliation and ultimately acknowledges that there is no easy answer. Um, yeah, this was, a this was rough. I actually, I did, uh, you know, teared up a bit at the end. It was, yeah. it was pretty rough. Um, yeah. It's hard. I mean, his movie, Spike Lee's movies are always confrontational, right? They, oh yeah. This is definitely one of those that doesn't, you know, it knows it exists in the time it exists, of course, yeah. made yeah. explicit by the footage at the end from the Unite the Right rally from 2017. Yeah. And, and you know, President Trump's responses to it, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's hard to watch, but it's also, it you know, it's, it's necessary. So You can't look away. That's what, you know, Werner Herzog, that Werner Herzog quote, you must not avert your eyes. Mm-hmm. You have to watch. You, you have to be aware of what's going on because it's, it's happening whether you're watching it or not. Um, and this movie's pretty funny too, you know. It is. It is actually. Really <laughs> I want to bring that up. Like I, you know, I, I was able to yeah. laugh at this. You get catharsis at the end with this conversation with David Duke. You, the, yeah. I, I, I fucking busted out laughing when, uh, when, when Adam Driver turns around after he makes his first call to the KKK and he's like, "Did you just use your real name?" And he's like, "Motherfucker." Motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like oh, this. It, brilliant. It, the movie does have its fun, but it's a very, a very serious and sobering topic. So, is, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I do want to point out one quote from, uh, uh, which is not going to be a quote because this is me. I'm just going to paraphrase because I can't fucking quote, <laughs> I'm quote myself. Um, <laughs> I think it's the best voice on these yeah. issues. <laughs> it's me. I'm my hero. <laughs> me in ten years. Um, no, the, Adam Driver's got a really fantastic little. Um, little monologue uh where he kind of reflects on the idea of of being woke jewish oh yeah no you're right where he he thinks you know my whole life i've been just thought you know i was i am jewish but i was never raised i never went to synagogue or anything no and i ever knew had a bar mitzvah i never had one um and uh, i never thought about being jewish now I think about it all the time. Yeah, he says like now it's all I can think about. <laughs> all I can think about. Um, and that just really struck me because, you know, I mean, I am a white guy. I've I've never really had to think of myself as anything different, and I I still don't. I'm like very light skinned, but like I am also like half Middle Eastern, and I I just find it interesting where the the when the definition of it really drove home the idea that of how constructed an idea whiteness is mm-hmm. and how surreal it is when you're in a climate where you are no longer this white basically meaning like you are the race that will get no shit from the system <laughs> like yeah i mean like the, i mean they had a conversation that was this movie right i'm not imagining that they had a conversation about passing right Yes, they did. Yeah, he's uh, like, yeah, you pass. He told that he told he said that to Adam Driver, Ron Stallworth did, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, like no one knows you're Jewish, so you pass. Right. Yeah, and just it was it just struck me because it really yeah you can the idea of whiteness is so fluid 
that really at any like you know you are you go from being white to you're a jew you are a like you, you suddenly have to completely change your entire concept of yourself i'm not saying i've had to do that but just the idea the idea that that can happen based on a particular climate just yeah struck me it was very um very interesting little moment and 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 the fact that you know adam driver can still even even as a jewish person can pass um john david washington's character has to sorry ron has to he can't take that off he can't ever hope to pass he is just always not white he is always going to be black yep um and the idea of someone who has that at one point that that you know privilege of being white and then having to reckon with the fact that i am no longer i am you know now seen as other i don't know it's just very very poignant scene to me very poignant little moment and it doesn't linger on it for very long um but yeah it just it just struck me is all as a white guy <laughs> i'm acknowledging it's just as you know kind of a yeah kind of kind of israeli you know half whatever i don't know it was just an interesting little moment like you about are israeli mike <laughs> i am i know but like that's the thing though it was such a other than the fact that like you know i'm i'm yeah it's just it, it's been such a small part of my life like i never thought about it and i don't have to now I, like i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like i'm in a situation where I have to now. It's just an interesting little pont- like pontification about you know how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I love Black Klansman. <laughs> yeah, it was great. A wonderful movie. I, I really like it. One of my favorites of the year thus far. And I think I've said all I can. All I'm yeah, qualified. Yeah, I've too. said more than I'm qualified to say already. So oh, me, too. me too. Um, I'm not uh, like everyone. This is just. This is just us talking about a movie we liked. This is not a. We are not the, the arbiters of the conversation. Please go watch other film critics. Please watch. Please listen to like what black critics have to say about it. What female critics have to say about it. I'm sure there's some criticism, um, about. Actually, I kind of wished you know Patrice had a had a more prominent role. You know, I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, she was mostly a love and you know mostly there to be a love interest and was never, you know, she had a perspective. Like she never reached that, like, sorry, Tessa Thompson, uh, level in, you know, like in sorry to bother you where she was like, no, I don't want to be with you because you're part of the system, you know? Right. Um, um, it always seemed like she was defined in relation with the main character. So, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, th- there are some, you know, feminist critiques that could be lobbed at the movie. Listen to other perspectives. We are just talking about our own experiences with it. And yeah, we, we well, love that. I think Spike Lee is also just talking about his own experience in it. You totally. know I mean, Spike Lee is a black man in America. So naturally he's going to totally. make a race, a movie about the racial politics between black and white people, which will overlook other races, for example. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, people from Mexico, Asia, etc. you know, that are a very much a part of that discourse, but they're not part of Spike Lee's discourse. So this is just yeah. his narrow perspective. Yeah. That like, it reminds me of, uh, T- Tony Morrison, the author. Um, she was doing an interview with, with Charlie Rose, uh, well before that whole Charlie Rose thing broke. Um, <laughs> it's, but, um, and he asked her basically, you know, 
if she was ever going to write a non like a book that's not about race um and she basically responded with well do you ask like white people when they're going to stop writing books about white people like i write about i write about what i know and what i know are like black people's experiences and i i don't set out to write polemics about race but like i i write about black people and it's impossible not to bring race into that so if you would not ask that question to a right white writer about white people basically don't ask me like yeah <laughs> that's the that, that was the essence of her answer and i'm just like fuck yeah that's amazing that's a stupid fucking question to ask. it's a stupid fucking question fuck charlie rose <laughs> yeah. for m- m- many reasons but yeah dude a myriad or a myriad, myriad or myriad reasons yes um Alrighty. um well i think that's about all i have to say i recently uh, posted a new review to my letterbox so you can find me there at um flying dad bomb or james cozenides whichever you find easier to spell and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at jamcozy, K-O-Z-Y. Hit me up on Twitter at MichaelLyden892. It's my handle. Um, don't go on my don't go on my letterboxed. It's, it's sad. Unless you want to read about Logan. Mike Mike does have a lot of good great book reviews. I hear. I um, yeah yeah. Check out my Goodreads. Yeah. Just, my name, Goodreads. just, search, just search my name. Michael Lyden. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, it was a great show this week. We are going to do a double forgotten favorite uh, next week. Of you could you could say they are a couple of cult, cult films, classics. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but to kill you. Um, <laughs> there's not going to be a show next week. I'm going to kill Mike. No, we're going to oh, do okay. Going Clear HBO. It's a documentary on HBO about Scientology, and then we're going to do The Invitation, a lesser seen a horror film from 2015 that I happen to like a lot. So that's mine. Going Clear is Mike's. And we're doing that because we're not going to see The Meg, really. We're not going to see Mile 22. I, I know. What will the world do yeah. without our... Our critiques. Is our critiques. Fucking yeah. Shit, stupid military mm. propaganda movie. So fucking mad. Anyways, it was a great show <laughs> this week. It's going to be a great show next weekend, as always. Thank you for listening.